What's up, y'all? Welcome to Adorn Podcast. We are on episode 53, and we are finishing Genesis today. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Adorned Podcast. We're your hosts, Erin and Casey. We would love for you to come join us each week as we discuss what it means to be made beautiful by God's Word. Whether you are a college student walking to class, a mom folding laundry during nap time, or a boss babe sitting in rush hour traffic, we hope that we can encourage and inspire you to pursue a deeper understanding of the Bible. How crazy is that? Does it feel so weird that we're done? It does. I mean, we've got, we got to get through these nine chapters. Yeah. Yeah. We're almost done. (laughs) If we can get through these nine chapters, we'll be good. I mean, I don't know. It kind of feels like we've been studying it forever, but at the same time, it just feels like yesterday we were talking about creation. Yeah. It's very, it's kind of bittersweet, right? It is. It's been so cool to see God through this book, but then also it makes me excited to then jump into something something else else. yeah yeah Yeah. and it feels like an accomplishment like to really dive in and study thoroughly the whole book of genesis 50 chapters Mm -hmm. like yeah and if you've made it this far listening good for you this is a lot of stuff it is it is so we left off last episode last week um right kind of in the middle of joseph so just to kind of catch you up real quick if you haven't listened to that one where we left off was Joseph had just interpreted Pharaoh's dreams um, about the famine, the seven years of abundance and then seven years of famine. And it was all starting to come true. The famine was hitting really hard in the land. And we're going to pick up in, um, in chapter 42. Yeah. So Jacob heard that there was grain for sale in Egypt. So he sent 10 of his sons. Um, so he sent all of his sons except for Benjamin because he, Benjamin, since Joseph was gone, Benjamin was now kind of his favorite because he was his other son from Rachel mm-hmm. and he didn't want anything to happen to him. So he kept Benjamin at home. And um, Joseph was now the governor that was in charge of Um, distributing the food to all the people. And um, so Joseph's brothers came and they bowed before him to ask for food. And I've always thought, like I've always just pictured this in my head and thought it's just so, um, it'd be just such a intense scene. Like Mm -hmm. in my head, it's kind of one of those dun, dun, dun. Like, are they going to recognize Joseph? Is Joseph Uh going to recognize them? And they did not recognize Joseph, but Joseph did recognize them recognize the brothers um and so joseph immediately kind of thinks of this plan in his head and he told his brothers um that he thought they were spies and he wouldn't believe them otherwise unless they um one of them stayed and the others went to get the brother they spoke of called benjamin so basically joseph asked his brothers all of these questions Who's your daddy? Um, <laughs> um, do you have any more brothers? All of the where do you come from? All of these questions, and the brothers were answering him, and they were answering him truthfully. But Joseph was like, "No, you're spies." And basically, he kept saying this to them to get them to give him more information, mm. and also just to kind of trick them into believing that he didn't know who they were. Ah. And so, um, and we see that, you know, his dream, right. Mm-hmm. Of them bowing them down. Bowing down we see was the fulfillment coming true. Of that. Right. So you also have to think, right. what was Joseph thinking at this time? Was he I, like, if it were me, I'd have been like, ha, I told you so. Yes, I told you I so. Know. This is happening. I don't know how he stays quiet. <laughs> right? Like we're going to see that he stays quiet for years. And I don't crazy. know how he does it. Yeah. But um, so basically he says, yeah, one of you um, stay here and the others go get Benjamin. And um, 
they they then kind of looked at each other and they were like, we're not guilty of what he's saying we're guilty of. We're not spies. Like, we're telling him the truth. Mm-hmm. But we are guilty of other things. And yeah. so this is what they said. In truth, we are guilty concerning our brother and that, that we saw the distress of his soul when he begged us and we did not listen. That is why this distress has come upon us. Mm-hmm. So, and that's in Genesis 40, 42, 21. And so um, they were starting to feel guilty because in my study Bible, it says their consciences were awakened. Mm-hmm. So one of those things were like, they were being accused of something. And even though they were being accused of of the wrong thing, they were still starting to really feel yeah. guilty for what they had done to Joseph. Yeah. So oh, that's yeah. interesting. That's mm-hmm. interesting. So um, they still didn't know that it was Joseph, right? Like they still right. weren't aware of that. And um, Joseph obviously knew what was going on all, at all this time, but um, they did, they did what he he asked, right? Yeah. Yeah. They ended up going back and, um, Joseph, Joseph, they didn't, they didn't know that Joseph was able to understand all they were saying. And I I did a little bit of reading about this because I was like, wait a second, because Joseph had basically turned himself into an Egyptian by this point. So he had an interpreter between them. So they didn't know that he could understand what they were saying without the interpreter Mm -hmm. interpreting it, which I thought was really interesting. Um, so, they they didn't know that Joseph had heard all of this, but Joseph realized at this point when he heard them talking about their guilt, Joseph realized that there was a chance for um, reconciliation mm-hmm. because that he heard them confessing, even though they were just kind of confessing to each other. He heard that and he saw kind of a glimpse of what was going on in their heart. And so I think this had to be a huge relief to Joseph to mm-hmm. see, okay, there is possibility for reconciliation because, mm-hmm. I mean, he had to be thinking when his bro- brothers came which is kind of why he devised this whole plan. He wanted to see if they had had a heart change or if they were still the evil brothers that threw him into the pit. And then ate their lunch. Exactly. Like they, there was exactly. No like they didn't yeah. care. So yeah. he needed to see if they had really been changed. So then he decided to keep Simeon. Once they said, okay, you know, we'll do this. He kept Simeon there with him and he ordered their bags to be filled with grain and the money that they had brought to be put back mm. in the bags. Mm-hmm. Which seems weird just at first glance. It right? does. Like, it does. So what do you think he was doing there? I Honestly, I don't really know. Okay. Like, I've read about it some, but I, I'm not really sure. Do you have any insight? So the main thing I heard when, when reading about that was it was it was almost like a test. Okay, that's what I thought. But a lot of people also interpret it and can, can point to Jesus, like, and point to the fact that he gives and he gives um, more than we deserve. Abundantly. So he didn't want them to think, like, they had earned that favor, that they had earned that food, that instead he's saying... You know, I'm going to give you food and I'm also going to let you keep your money. Like, okay. so just even more unmerited grace. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's like a couple that. different beliefs on that. But I thought that was interesting that he gave the money back, too. Yeah. And I thought it was um, also interesting because when they when they saw that the money was in the bags, it said that it scares them. Yeah. And in verse 28, it says, what is this that God has done to us? Um, and it's them recognizing that it's God's hand at mm-hmm. work in this. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was kind of cool. They didn't um, say, oh, like Joseph must have put the money back 
in there or, you know, there's been a mistake. It was God's hand at work. But then it's also talking about them being scared. So I was like, is that that fear of the Lord? Like, is it? I don't know. When I was researching this, it sounded more like that they were afraid that it was going to look like they were stealing. Okay, that was my first thought. That was my first thought. But then they were like, the Lord has done this to us. So it was kind of, I don't know. It was kind of confusing to me to really understand what was going on. Um, But then they tell Jacob all that had happened. And, um, and, you know, they said, we need to take Benjamin back with us. Mm -hmm. And Jacob was like, "Uh uh-uh, you are not taking Benjamin because I've already lost Joseph. (laughs) And now I've lost Simeon as Uh well. How am I supposed to know that he's going to be able to come back? And um, so he's like, no, not not letting him go. And so Reuben felt so guilty and said, kill my two sons um, if if we don't return with Benjamin. But Jacob was still like, "Mm, no, thank you. <laughs> I'm here's some collateral. Here. Yeah. And still didn't yeah. work. Still, didn't, still didn't, work. didn't work. But then I'm um, starting in chapter 43. They got to a place where they completely were out. They ran out of grain, and the famine had struck so hard that Jacob finally was like, "You know what? You need to go get more food." Um, but they told him they they can't. They won't give us anything unless Benjamin goes with them. And um, Jacob then wants to know why they had told Joseph about their younger brother. And he's like, well, why did you even tell them you had a brother? Right. Like if you would have just not said anything. So we're seeing, seeing that little bit of deceiver come back out in Jacob where Mm -hmm. he had been, you know, changed person. But then he's like, no, you should have deceived him. So I thought that was Mm -hmm. interesting that, that we have to remember that, you know, as soon as we're washed with the blood of Jesus, we are forgiven and we're given a new identity, but that doesn't mean that old identity isn't going to try to rise up and we're going to have to continue to put, put that old identity Mm. to death and remember to walk in that, in that new identity. That's good. Yeah. So, um, basically they say, well, Joseph was asking us all the questions. Like we couldn't, (laughs) we're not going to lie to Uh him. And I'm sure Jacob, like you said, he was thinking, well, you should have, (laughs) but, um, this time Judah says he will take care of Benjamin if Jacob will just let them go. And so, um, we see that Joseph's plan for family unity is beginning to work Mm -hmm. because, um, Judah is then willing to sacrifice himself, Mm -hmm. um, to go and get this food and to, um, Make sure that Benjamin comes home. Yeah. So Jacob finally agrees. Um, and he says to take all of these gifts and double the money and, and be sure to return with Benjamin. Don't don't forget that fact, right? And then they, they go back. Um, how far is that journey? Did you ever look that up? No, I didn't, I didn't look either. it up. I meant to. Yeah, I don't know how far that is. But anyways, they head back. Um and they they come again before Joseph, and he sees that Benjamin was with them, and he asked um, for a meal to be prepared for the men at his house, and um, the brothers thought that they were in trouble because of the whole money situation where the money was put back in their bags, but the steward of Joseph's house um, said, he replied to them saying, peace to you, do not be afraid, your God and the God of your father has put treasure in your sacks for you, I, I received your money. Um, and then they brought Simeon out to him. So it's kind of just reminding them like, no, like you said, God had mm-hmm. done this to you, yeah. but done it for good, yeah. you know, because maybe before when they said it, they were saying it is like God is punishing us uh-huh. or something like that. That was one of the things that I thought about. I was like, did they think that God put the money there so they would get in trouble mm-hmm. with Joseph? Mm-hmm. Like what? It was, it was all yeah. real confusing. Yeah. So yeah, it was for their good. And then um, when Joseph arrived, he asked about his father, but once again, they still didn't know that who he was. Right. Um, and he heard that he was well, and he also saw Benjamin. And at this point, the Bible says that he couldn't 
keep his composure. He I just kind of part. lost it. I love it. It's just such a sweet, sweet moment. Um, and so then he prepares this big meal and Joseph has them sit in birth order. And it said in my notes, I mean, it says in the Bible that the brothers were amazed mm. and it didn't really, I just thought, oh, they're amazed because of this big feast or because of this food. But it said in the notes in my Bible, they were amazed because of the seating arrangement. Ah. Because how would Joseph know their birth order? Oh, that's funny. Isn't that Maybe cool? Maybe he's giving them like a little hint. Yeah. Like, yeah. Hey, I know this about it's you. It's amazing that he knew about that. Well, you know, we know it's not that amazing because he, he, they're his brothers. Right, right. But they didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. So they all ate and Benjamin was served five times more than the rest. Mm. And it also said in my notes that this was to test um, the brother's jealousy to see if their ah. hearts had really changed. Wow. So that's Joseph, that's just, he, he keeps putting in these little tests mm-hmm. to see are they really changed? Yeah. Are they really changed? And I don't think I've ever thought about that in reading this story right. before. Right. I never really picked up on these little things that Joseph was doing, but he was be- being very strategic to mm-hmm. see, like, have their hearts really changed? Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, and then chapter 44, we are flying through. We We're doing are. Great, guys. We're doing great. <laughs> All right. Um, Joseph decides to really test the family fidelity by hiding the silver cup in Benjamin's um, sack when he, when he goes to send them home. So like Casey said, an, another test for them to see. Um, and he puts it in Benjamin's. So, you know, the brother that just received five times more food than everybody else and the brother who's also now the favorite of the father. So um, very intentionally testing them here. And, and he has his steward chase them down to look for the cup. And the brothers are so sure that none of them have it that they say, whichever, uh, you know, of your servants are found with this, um, shall die and and we will also be my Lord's servant. So they didn't know because yeah. none of them had taken right, it, right? right? So they were so sure none of us took it. Um, and, and this part of the story always kind of throws me. I'm like this, it just seems... I don't know. It seems kind of strange. Mm-hmm. It is strange. Um, and I thought the same thing. I was reading my notes and I, I studied on it for a while. Um, and it talks about also, it says several times the cup for used for divination. Hmm. And um, like even Joseph is like, who took my cup that is used for divination? And I was like, wait, Joseph believes in the one true God. Yeah. And um, that it said that that was part of his ruse, like just to, Mm -hmm. to uh, make it more real because apparently they had special cups that were used something about like looking at the water in this cup would like predict the future or something like Mm. that. And so, um, it basically was just saying that this cup was really important to yeah, him because yeah. if, if he was practicing divination, this cup would be really important uh-huh. to him. So um, when the cup is found in Benjamin's sack, the brothers all get really, really upset and return their clothes and they all go back with him to the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Judah stepped up and took the lead and asked Joseph what they could do to clear their name. And Joseph said he just wanted Benjamin. So I think that what Joseph was doing in this was to see if the brothers would stand up for Benjamin Mm -hmm. or if they would just desert him and be like well too bad little bro like you made a mistake we're going home to dad and you can stay here Mm -hmm. I think he was just testing that fidelity their yeah their unity yeah 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 and so um then Judah basically just retells the whole story about how difficult it was for Jacob to let Benjamin go to begin with and um that there's no way they can go home without him and that he Judah is willing to take 
Benjamin's place. Mm, that's um, big. And it, it's big. Like he's willing to go to prison, to stay at the palace, to do all of this stuff for his brother if his brother can just go home. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this immediately struck me because as we've talked before, Judah is in the line of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And this is such a cool foreshadowing of mm-hmm. Jesus and that substitutionary atonement yeah. that we've talked about, about how Jesus pays for what we can't pay for. Right. He pays for our sins and um, takes our place. Yeah. And we don't, we can spend forever in heaven because of that. Yeah. And so Judah was willing to do this wow. for his brother. Yeah. And then it's great because we see the the story continue in chapter 45. And I love this because what we are reminded of with this part of the story is like how human they are. Yes. Right. Like sometimes I think as we read Bible stories, we we either think of the play, right, of Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat, or we put them on kind of this pedestal where Mm -hmm. they're characters and we forget their humanness. But this is a great part because it reminds us, it shows us that Joseph was so moved by the way that his brothers were demonstrating their unity and their love for one another, that it says that in verse, um, I mean, in chapter 45, it starts with saying, then Joseph could not control himself. Mm-hmm. He was he was so overcome with emotion and that he realized, he recognized that their hearts had changed. And, um, and so he made everybody else leave, all the other people who were working there. And it was just um, he and his brothers. And so then he told his brothers um, that it was him. And um, in verses, in five, through eight, it says, and do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. And God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing or harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God which is, you know, we're going to see this theme as we continue throughout these last few chapters. But I think this passage right here really sets the tone and really reminds us um, how God works. Like, it's so hard for us to step back sometimes when we're in the middle of the story to remind ourselves, like, what what they mean for evil, God means for good. And we'll see that actually word for word later in the chapter, in the um, in this chapter 49 or chapter 50, but I think it's a good place for us to stick right here with verses five through eight of chapter 45, where he's telling them, you know, don't be mad at me because you sold me here. Like God sent me, God sent me to preserve life. And the fact that Joseph is even able to recognize that I think is a really good reminder for us that, um, the reason Joseph was able to have peace throughout all of these hardships and the ups and downs. I mean, he had some big extremes, right? Mm -hmm. From the pit to Potiphar's house, to the prison, to being the leader and the governor for Pharaoh and being in control of all things. I mean, he had some pretty big extremes, kind of like we see with Paul. That's what I was going to say. I was thinking about Paul when we were talking about in Philippians. Yes. And, And the thing that, you know, is able to ground him is actually his theology. And we've talked about this a little bit as we've gone, but, um, just reminding ourselves, like, what do we believe about God is the most important thing about us. And we see that through Joseph. He knew who God was and he was able to rest in that. And so he knew that God had sent him there Mm -hmm. and just being able to recognize that is incredible. And I think, you know, if you're going through something right now where you're either in an extreme or whatever it is, or you feel like you can't understand why you're going through what you're going through, maybe root yourself in this, these last couple chapters Mm -hmm. of Genesis and reminding yourself like God, God has a plan and God has a purpose for you exactly where you are. Yeah.
So then we see that Pharaoh was um, happy that Joseph's brothers were there. When he found out what was going on, he was pleased and basically said, we'll give you the best of everything. Mm -hmm. Land, food, we'll give you it all. And that made me so happy that Pharaoh was happy. I love it. I love it. Yeah, because it could have been easy for him to just be like, you're not our people. You're not, you know, but he, and that just speaks again to Joseph, Mm -hmm. like Joseph's character. Yes. Because that's the only reason Pharaoh cared because it was Joseph's Mm -hmm. family. Yeah, exactly. So then in verse 24, um, when the brothers are going to go back to, um, to Jacob, Joseph says, do not quarrel on the way. And this is just a good reminder for us not to fight and argue. And this could have been referring to them not arguing about who was responsible for what had happened to Joseph and how to explain it to their father. Because I can imagine, I mean, Jacob still doesn't know that right. Joseph's alive right. and they have to go back and figure say, out what hey. they're going to say. <laughs> They got to own it. Yeah. Yeah. So basically Joseph saying like, don't let this cause any problem between y'all. So then they go back and they tell Joe, they tell Jacob that Joseph is alive and he didn't believe them. So they said all Joseph said and showed them, um, what Joseph sent with them. And finally Jacob believed them and he said he wants to go see him. And, um, the Bible says that when the brothers revealed that Joseph was alive, it it says that Jacob's heart went numb. Mm -hmm. And, um, I just can't imagine like the emotion of this. And I, this is a funny, a funny um, story to go with it. But I just saw in the news a few days ago about this dog that had been lost for eight years, eight mm-hmm. years from its owners. And somehow someone found this dog and they scanned and it had a microchip and the dog was returned to their original owners oh eight years later. <laughs> and this dog's like 14 now. And the owners, of course, were just beside themselves excited. And I was thinking That's about funny. like the emotion that would come with that. Like if you if you thought your dog was dead. I mean, eight years is a long, long long time. That's almost Cadence's whole life. That's a long time. And I was just thinking about how excited you would be and just overcome with emotion. This is a child. Right. Like, this is a person. Yeah. That that Jacob just knew was dead. His favorite child. And he knew. He had seen the blood on the robe. He knew he was dead. And then years later, Mm. he hears, hey, he's alive. And you yeah. can go see him. Mm-hmm. And so I just cannot imagine the emotion that must have come with that. So yeah, that's really once again, kind of humanizing it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Reminding us. Because I don't even, I don't know how I would respond. I mean, I probably would be like, no, that's not real. Right. Which is what he did at yeah. first. Yeah. That's not, yeah. That's not real. That can't yeah. be true. Um, and then we start in verse or chapter 46. So Jacob, um, convinced he's excited. He wants to go see him. He's like, let's do this. So he, they pack up their stuff and they head on their way. And I thought it was interesting cause it notes that like they offered sacrifices along the yeah. way. And then God, um, speaks to Jacob again. This time it doesn't say the word dream. It says visions in the night. So I was like, I wonder if that's different than a dream. I don't know. But um, God. Sounds like a dream. I know. I'm like, (laughs) visions in the night. I'm pretty sure that's the same thing. (laughs) Um, But God, you know, says the same thing. He's reminding him, I am the God of the God of your, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt for there I will make for you, make you into a great nation. And I myself will go down with you to Egypt. And I will also bring you up again and Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. So he's reminding him, you know, he's the same God. It's the same promise. You know, he's saying, I will be with you, like he has said, since we saw way back when he headed out um, from the land last time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, we're also seeing him remind 
him of the promises he made to Isaac and mm-hmm. to Abraham, the whole make you into a great nation thing. I mean, that comes from the promise that he made to Abraham. And I mean, Jacob had to be scared to go to Egypt because he's going to see this son that he hadn't seen in years and years and years. And also like, the e- Egypt and the Israelite, like they weren't exactly best friends. And so going there anyway is, is intimidating. So it's just that reminder, again, God saying, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. This is what you need to do. And then that sweet little note at the end that says, Joseph's hand shall close your mm-hmm. eyes. Mm-hmm. So it's telling him like, you will be able to be with yeah. Joseph until you die. Yeah. So That's like cool. That. That's cool. Yeah. Um, then we get the, uh, this long list of who was traveling and it reminds us, you know, that, genealogy and lists and that kind of thing are important in the Bible. And then I think this time it was really reminding me that, you know, God is both transcendent and he is above us and outside of time, but yet he also cares about the details. And then I recently heard something really good about genealogy and lists in the Bible. And it was telling us that not only are these showing us that God cares about the details, but they're also a really great tool for us to, um, to remember that the, you know, these are historical documents and it helps us to prove that the Bible is true because we see these lists and we're able to compare them to other historical documents and show the accuracy. And so it's a good tool for apologetics to say, hey, you know, look how historically accurate the Bible is. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was a really good reminder. Yeah, I like this point a lot. Um, It made me think of, I think it was last episode, we were able to count the generations and see the numbers line up. God had said there will be four generations and Mm -hmm. we're able to count the generations. And I really think that this is God's kindness that he includes Mm -hmm. these things because it gives us information that technically we don't need like we we shouldn't need this to have faith in God and we don't need proof that he exists but he knows that it helps us in our belief and so I think they're just little kind nuggets that he gives us just to help us in our belief that's a fun word (laughs) kind nuggets I like that like Um, Rocky's extra crispy nuggets (laughs) (laughs) extra crispy kind nuggets Um, And then in verse 28, it shows us um, Jacob and Joseph being reunited and um, they hug and they cry. And it's just, you know, like we said, a reminder of their humanity. But then also just think of how beautiful that is Mm -hmm. and that that um, just that unity that they have. And it's it's just must have been a really cool moment. And then Jacob is like, all right, I can die now. No, I can die. (laughs) (laughs) Which I don't know why, but I thought that was so funny. All right, I can die now. He's like, now I'm at peace. Yeah. <laughs> and then Joseph, before that chapter ends, he re- tells his brothers, like, remember to tell Pharaoh when he asks you, like, remember to tell him you, you're, you know, keepers of the land or how, what did he, I forget exactly how he Shepherds, it, I like think. Shepherds, yeah. yeah. Which um, the reason he did that was so that they would be able to stay in Goshen, Goshen, mm-hmm. however you say that. Um, and part of the reason he wanted them to stay in that area, which was right outside of Egypt, was he knew that it would be, better for them like we said to not be in the presence of sin to not immerse themselves in you know this different culture where it'd be easy for them to see and desire and take and do that same sin joseph's like let's stay away Mm -hmm. let's stay away just to protect and to guard our hearts which Mm -hmm. is a really good reminder for us so they do that starting in verse or chapter 27 they 47 what did I say? 27. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> We're going back to 27, guys. Um, so they do that. They ask Pharaoh to stay um, in that land, and, and he approves. He says that, you know, that's good. And I thought it was funny. There was a little note that said that, you know, in Egypt, people really didn't, they did not like shepherds or like they looked uh down on them Mm -hmm. so they wanted them to stay away Mm -hmm. so i mean they were telling the truth that they they take care of 
you know, they are mm-hmm. shepherds, but it was also, you know, another kindness of God. Like this is your occupation. And it's going to save you from yes. having to live in this area that's full of Oh, that's sin. good. Yeah. And I thought that it was interesting too, because Joseph, I mean, Joseph's been living in Egypt. Right. But he still, he could have been like, well, I want you to be close to me. Or, mm. I mean, this is my home now. If it's good enough for me, it's good enough yeah. for you. But he still looked out for his yeah. family. And it was like 70 people, I, mm-hmm. think. I think. it was 77 it was, or something. So we're not talking, like, yeah. yeah, we're not talking just like 10 people. We're right. talking a big group of people mm-hmm. and I just love that he was looking out for his yeah. family yeah um that's cool so then we see where it says Jacob blesses Pharaoh and mm-hmm. I was like that's kind of um a interesting choice of words and yeah, I don't know it's it kind of weird to me yeah. and so my Bible had a good note that I wanted to read it says in this remarkable audience with mighty Pharaoh the greater typically blesses the lesser um, the aged shepherd patriarch demonstrates his dignity his blessing is fulfilled in um, verses 13 through 25 once more Genesis highlights the important theme of blessing being mediated to others through the unique line of offspring mm. descended from Abraham ultimately this is fulfilled in Jesus Christ mm. yeah so I thought that it that clarified it a little bit it's still yeah. kind of confusing yeah but because you know God told to Abraham you will be a blessing uh-huh. to the yes. nations yeah. yes yeah That's so good. it's that coming to fruition yep um, and then they go back since they're allowed to live in Goshen I, I really wish I knew that one. Goshen, Goshen. Goshen, I think, is how you okay. would say it. Um, and they dwell there, and they're given everything they need. They're given food. They're given, you know, the best of the best things, um, which is really cool when you think about that, I how know. Pharaoh was yes. just willing to do that. Yes. Um, and then through the next passage, we're shown how bad the famine has gotten, and um, that we see that through a couple different just, like, stories that – are talking about how you know people had nothing to give so they started to give their cattle or they sell their land they were Um, desperate they were desperate and so joseph you know is this actually a really smart business guy right Mm -hmm. he he buys the land for pharaoh in exchange for food and so basically now this is how i understood it let me tell me if you understood it differently casey but basically now they're kind of like servants like yeah. it's pharaoh's land mm-hmm. and then they're working it and they keep mm-hmm. part of it and they give part of it back to him yeah that's what i understood too which is a smart business plan but then at the same time i was like hmm uh-huh i was thinking the same thing and i was thinking wouldn't the people like not like that yeah but i guess they had no choice right they had no choice and um in my notes it said the people saw joseph not as a tyrant but as a savior mm. and so i think it goes back to kind of what you were saying earlier about joseph's character yeah i think that they saw that he was doing this for their good yeah. um and i mean i I feel like he was probably treating them kind and, and taking care of them. He probably wasn't treating them like slaves. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. We don't have a lot of detail, yeah. but it does make it clear that the people were actually grateful yeah. for this. Yeah. Yeah. And then in verse 27, we see um, that Israel was fruitful and multiplied greatly. So coming back to that same creation mandate and that same calling um, that God had said all the way back you know, through Abraham and they're fulfilling that calling. Um, and then Jacob is about to die and he's, they, he brings them in and, um, wants to kind of like give them blessings. But it's funny. I thought it was funny because he says, you know, put your hand under my thigh, which to us yeah. sounds super weird. Yeah. We're like, what's happening here? But that was a cultural thing there. Mm-hmm. That was um, something they would do. And it shows, you know, like intimacy and closeness. Yes. And you yeah. have to literally be close to somebody in order to do that. So um, and he he asks Joseph to 
to not bury him there and to bury him back in the land uh, where his father and his grandfather is buried. And then we move on to chapter 48. So then Joseph brings his sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, to Jacob. And he um, Jacob basically adopts them. Yeah, I had never caught that before I until either. I was sitting this time. And I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and once again, I had to kind of read my notes to understand exactly what was going on. That's why a good study Bible mm-hmm. is so, so helpful. Yeah. Um, and... So therefore, because the reason, one of the reasons at least that he adopted these sons of Joseph was so Joseph could then have the right of the firstborn Mm. Um, because he wasn't the firstborn. But now since Jacob adopted his sons, he had the right of the firstborn. So many different traditions and cultural things. Yes. Um, And so Jacob reminds them again of God's promises. Um, And it's just a good reminder for us as moms. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, a lot of times we, not even necessarily as moms, but just as believers, we sometimes think everybody else understands everything. Like, oh, they already go to church. They already understand the gospel. They go to church. They understand the importance of reading their Bible or they know how to read their Bible. But Mm -hmm. I think it's important for us to to take what God has given us and to use that to disciple others, whether mm-hmm. it's your kids or, you know, someone younger than you or just somebody who's younger in the faith than you. What we see Jacob doing here is saying, this is what God has told me. And now I'm going to tell you. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a big part of the great um, commission, yeah. which we should be doing oh, every day. That's good. Yeah. So when Jacob was about to give the blessing, Joseph automatically put Manasseh on the right and Ephraim on the left because of their birth order. Manasseh mm-hmm. was oldest. Ephraim was younger. And, um, the right is the side that gets like the most blessing, but Jacob switched them. Mm-hmm. And, um, in verse 19, he says, let's see, um, because Joseph was really confused by yeah, this. Yeah. And so he said, um, I know my son, I know he shall become a great, he shall also become a great people and he also shall be great. Nevertheless, his younger brother shall be greater than he and his offspring shall become a multitude of nations. So um, Ephraim, actually, if we look ahead in the Bible, becomes the dominant Israelite tribe in the north northern part of the promised land. Yeah. And I thought this was super interesting that when we hear about um, Joshua, who ultimately after Moses is the one who leads the Israelites into the promised land, Joshua comes from that line. Yeah. That's so cool. And just once again, we see um, that Jacob is going out of the cultural norm Mm -hmm. of the firstborn getting the blessing. He's giving it to the secondborn. And um, that just shows that, you know, like God's sovereignty, God, it's not about our cultural norms. It's about whatever God chooses to do, which is sometimes so confusing, but it's the way God works. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So we need to just be okay with it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And then um, Jacob just reiterates that God will be with them and he will bring them into the land of their fathers. And then chapter 49, we're almost done, you guys. Wow, this is crazy. So chapter 49 is, um, I'm going to encourage you to read it. And if you have a study Bible, read it um, alongside your notes or a commentary because it changes pace a little bit. Mm -hmm. And Jacob starts basically prophesying over his sons. So he goes through all of his sons. Um, So we're going to hit a couple of of the highlights of this. 
Yeah, so in verses 9 and 10 is where we find the prophecy over Judah. And if you remember, um, last week we talked about how I always assumed the line of Jesus came through Joseph, but actually it comes through Judah. And so here's Jacob's prophecy over or blessing over Judah. It says, Judah is a lion's cub. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He stooped down and he crouched as a lion and as a lioness who dares rouse him. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until tribute comes to him and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. So we see here this pointing towards the fact that Jesus is going to come through his family line. Yeah. 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 And we see, um, we talked about this last week, but if we flip all the way to Matthew and um, we thought we would just kind of read through that little part right now just to show you that we're not making it up but in the genealogy starting with Matthew and if if you know about um, the gospels Matthew is written to um, mostly to the audience of the Jews and so it was very important for them to understand the line of Jesus and that's why Matthew's genealogy is really thorough and he says um, let's see so We'll just start with verse one, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, who was the father of Isaac, Isaac, the father of Jacob, Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers and Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar and Perez, the father. So like we talked about last week when we were learning Tamar. about Tamar and Perez, um, we see that right there in the very beginning of the gospel of Matthew. Oh, so cool. Once again, just God's kindness and giving us those little yeah. details. Yeah. And I think it's, it's a really good reminder because like I said last week I get kind of frustrated thinking there's all this about Joseph and then he doesn't even end up being in the line of Jesus but it's a good reminder for us to understand that you know God has a purpose for each of us and all of us have like a little bit different reach and a little bit different you know neighborhood we're in and a different gifts that we've been given and those are all from God I mean it says in James you know every good and perfect gift is from above and so when we start to compare and we go oh well look at that person's gift or look at Joseph and look at how Joseph was used I mean Judah could have been thinking that right like right. he didn't know Jesus was going to come from his line so he could have been thinking look at how God used Joseph mm -hmm. like he brought him to this high place and then he brought him down to the prison and he brought him back up and he saved all these people through him and um, prepared an them for the exciting life right but then <laughs> yeah. little did he know all the while God was going to use his line. So it, I think as women, particularly, we have a hard time with comparison. Mm -hmm. So I think Joseph is an, a, another thing we can take away from his story is to just not to compare. Yeah. Like we don't see what God's doing big picture and that can be frustrating, but it also, I think, gives us a lot of hope. Mm -hmm. And okay, I don't know what what God is doing through this mundaneness or this trial or this suffering, but he is doing something and he's reaching people through it. Yeah. Yeah. So then Jacob keeps going and um, with his blessings and these prophecies and we get to Joseph and I'm going to read it because um, once again, I think it's just just good to read. It says Joseph is a and this is uh, verses 22 through 26. So it's kind of long, but Joseph is a fruitful bow, a fruitful bow by a spring. His branches run over the wall. His archers bitterly attacked him, shot at him and harassed him severely. Yet his bow remained unmoved. His arms um, were made agile by the hands of the mighty one of Jacob. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel, by the God of your father who will help you, by the almighty who will bless you with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep 
deep that crouches beneath blessings of the breast of the womb. The blessings of your father are mighty beyond the blessings of my parents up to the bounties of the everlasting hills. So um, I'm going to read. We hear the word bless a mm-hmm. lot in that. So I'm going to mm-hmm. read this note on that. The Hebrew w- root for bless is used six times in this verse. These blessings are fertility of land fed by water from heaven above and earth below. The fertility of body. Um, blessings given humankind at creation and later associated, especially with Abraham, are concentrated on Joseph. Through Joseph, the divine promise to bless the nations is continued. Mm. So we saw that bless, bless, bless a lot with Abraham. And yeah. now we're seeing it through Joseph oh. as well. Wow. So, um, yeah, I just like that. Yeah, that's good. Um, so Jacob, once again, says that he's to be buried with his family in Canaan. He's like, don't forget, guys. Come on. Don't forget. Um, because he believes that God's promises about about that land. Um, and then Jacob dies. Yep. Then he dies. Sad day. Um, and then last chapter. Last, last chapter, chapter. Chapter 50. And this has so Home much stretch. good stuff yes. in it. I love yes. this chapter. So um, we see Joseph weeping and grieving his father. Um, but then this was really cool because the Egyptians also mourned. Mm-hmm. I know. I liked that a lot because once again, just that character of Joseph. Yeah. Just They really cared about him and yeah. his family. Yeah. I love that. Um and they did as Jacob wished, and they took his body to Canaan to be buried. And Joseph's brothers were afraid that now that Jacob wasn't there, was Joseph going to then, you know, get his revenge? Was just Joseph only being nice because he wanted to see his dad? They had a lot of different fear that was, um, you know, coming up about what jo- Joseph was going to do. But um, Joseph was like, no. I, I forgave you. And there's yeah. this there's this little part in the Jesus Storybook Bible that is, is really good when it's talking about how Joseph was. And he said, um, even though his brothers had hurt him, had hated him, and had wanted him dead, in spite of everything, he couldn't stop loving them. Mm. And I think that's so good because that's Jesus, right? Yeah. No matter how yeah. many times we sin, no matter how many times we, you know, let him down, like Jesus cannot stop loving us. And how just reassuring and comforting is that? I love it. Um, So then in verses 19 and 20 of this chapter, this is kind of where we're going to park it for a little bit because in my personal opinion, I mean, this is a big statement and I'm not sure I can back it up, but in my personal feelings (laughs) at this moment on this day right now that these two verses might be the most important verses in the book of Genesis. Is that too big of a statement? No, I think, I think that's probably pretty, pretty accurate. Okay. So I'm going to read it. It's chapter 50 verse 19 and 20. So, um, This is when it says his brothers also came and fell before him and said, behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. So the the part, the little nugget that we're going to focus on here is where he says, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. So we see almost this, this, you know, in our minds, we might think competing things, right? Mm -hmm. You meant this to happen and God in the same moment meant this to happen. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of a confusing thing for us to grasp. And I don't think we ever fully grasp it because it's God and he's divine and he's infinite. And so we don't fully understand it, but it's a good thing for us to kind of stop and, and think about for a second. And I was listening to a Piper sermon on this and he was saying that 
they, they, as the brothers, they had a meaning in the sin, which was to kill the dreamer when they first originally put him in the pit. So they had a meaning in their sin. Um, and God had a meaning in their sin, and it was to save the killers. So in the same moment where they're committing this sin, God, you know, he, he's able to overrule their intention in that sin and then ultimately bring that to save them. Yeah. And, and that's just, that just blows my mind about God. Like, mm-hmm. how can he even, how is that even possible? You know, because we know that God cannot sin and we know that God does not ever condone, condone sin. Yeah. Um, but Ma- what MacArthur says is, is God doesn't condone evil, but he does overrule it. So it, like I said, it's not something we can fully grasp, but I think it's a good reminder for us because we, we kind of, I think we almost think that God takes a bad situation and fixes yeah, it, yeah. but that would mean God was out of control right. for that bad situation right. to happen, which we know is not true. Would, yeah. But there's some way in which, you know, someone is sinning and yet God still has meaning through that, which ultimately in this situation is to save them, mm-hmm. which is crazy. That's crazy. But crazy cool. Awesome. Yep. Awesome. Yep. So in verse 24, I thought this was neat. It's the first time that we see the three patriarchs' names used together. And it says, Mm. um, let me find it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Mm. So I love that that's kind of one of the last notes that we end this whole book on. Um, And Joseph also wants to be buried in the promised land. And this does not happen um, when right when he dies. But we see this in um, later in Exodus, I believe. Yeah. When Moses um, carries his bones out of Egypt. Yeah. And we saw a play last year. play about Moses it was a musical and it was really cool because they focused on that a lot oh. about the bones of Joseph I had never even and known I, that I didn't either yeah but they really brought this out in this musical and um just how important Joseph was to the Israelites yeah. like they really showed that in this in this musical and it really made me think wow like yes he was we all, we think of Moses as being important right, right. we think of he led them out yeah. of Egypt so I mean he is he's an important guy but None of that would have been possible mm, without mm-hmm. what Joseph had done. Yeah, which is why so. reading Genesis is so important. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So then that's pretty much the end. He was 110 years old when he died, and then that's the end of Genesis. Wow. We made it. <laughs> so before we um, end this episode, I thought it would be a cool idea for us to kind of take from this story in particular. We'll do another episode next week, which will be our kind of recap, our debriefing mm-hmm. of Genesis, yeah. if you will. But talking about the story of Genesis in particular, I thought it'd be cool if we could spend a little time maybe just talking about, because we've referenced, you know, like this is foreshadowing of Jesus and how Joseph um, is, you know, we can draw some parallels between Joseph and Jesus. So maybe we'll finish with just doing a little, where where do you see Jesus in the in the story of Joseph? Yeah, so I think one of the first places we see is God's saving victory for his people happens through sin and suffering. Mm. And this pattern continues all over the Bible. And it gives us a framework for when Jesus comes, like um, how everyone hated him and persecuted Jesus, but um, then he was our savior. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I mean, we see that, like I said, all throughout the Bible, and we see it today, too. Yeah. Like, um, there's sin, there's suffering, but Jesus is better than all that. Yeah. Yeah, I think another way we see it through Joseph is that Joseph, you know, bears the burden of their sin. It's not like the brothers 
had sinned against someone else. And then Joseph goes and saves them. Like he was directly affected by the sin that they were committing. Just like Jesus takes our sin on the cross and bears it for us. Joseph was, you know, bearing the burden of their sin. Um, and yet just like Joseph, Jesus is the one who extends us grace to ultimately give us life. Like Joseph did by extending them grace and giving them food and giving Mm -hmm. them life. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, there's this one, um, quote from the AW pink book that I thought he draws, he has like three chapters on parallels between Joseph and Jesus. So if you want to learn more about that, um, it's gleanings from Genesis by AW pink, but what he says, and I thought this was interesting. This is more about the, the book of Genesis in total, but he talks about Adam represented Jesus's headship. Abel represented his death. Noah represents his work in providing refuge for his people, but the fullest and most striking of all of these was Joseph. And then he goes on. I think I want to say he he lists like over 50 at least different parallels. Yeah. That's really really interesting. Yeah. And then um, we had talked about a little bit how we said in in the um, chapter, I think, 45, where it was talking about how. They meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And then again in chapter 50 where we talked about that. And another way where we see that is in Psalms. So just to kind of end us here in the story of Joseph and actually in the story of Genesis, but to remind ourselves like the importance of biblical literacy and how when we find something in the Old Testament, we can also find it in Psalms and New Testament and references and tie those together to remind ourselves that it is one story. And in Psalms 105, we see this. And if you have some time, I would encourage you to just go and read through yes, the whole it's thing. It's so good. It's yes. really good. And it talks about Abraham. <clears throat> it talks about, you know, all the way through Genesis, but we're going to just close today with verses um, six through 22 of 105. This is talking about Joseph. It says, when he summoned a famine on the land and broke all the supply of bread, he had sent a man ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. His feet were hurt with fetters. His neck was put in a collar of iron until he had said came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the peoples set him free. He made him lord of his house and ruler of all possessions to bind his princes at his pleasure and to teach his elders wisdom. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes and most importantly, share with a friend. The beautiful music that you've heard on this episode today is by the incredibly talented Katie Cobb.